Hello. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. Wherever you are in the world. My name is Muramo Raimi and you're welcome to my podcast, Chromosome. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I hope you had a great week. I had a great week from the Eid celebrations to connecting with a lot of my family members and friends again after so many months apart. It was really, really fun for me connecting with them again. I hope you did have a fruitful week as well. Well, I'd initially posted on my blog, moramoraimi.webby.com, that I will be speaking on supply chain management um, on this episode, the second episode of my podcast. Yeah, so I'm going to dive right into it. I want to begin with a definition by Wikipedia. So Wikipedia defines supply chain management as the management of the flow of goods and services, money and information between businesses and locations, and includes the movement and storage of raw materials, of work in process, inventory, and of finished goods, as well as end-to-end order fulfillment, from point of origin to point of consumption, interconnected, interrelated, or interlinked networks, channels, and node businesses, combined in the provision of products and services required by the end users in the supply chain. (laughs) I know that was a very long (laughs) definition, right? And it might have been a bit hard to, like, keep on going, like, following the um, thought process, but it's actually quite extensive. Yeah, and I feel like that's why it looks like it's all over the place, but it's very, very extensive, capturing what supply chain management is. So I like to define what it is to me, and I'll define supply chain management as the administration and monitoring of the relationship that exists between actors in the supply chain who exist for the purpose of delivering value to end users. (laughs) A very short definition, I know, (laughs) but... Um, (laughs) okay, so it's short, but then it's, you know, precise and to the point. The administration of the relationship that exists between actors in the supply chain, yeah, who exists for the purpose of delivering value to end users. (laughs) But don't worry, I'm going to explain each factors and why I've decided to, you know, have my own definition to be coined in that manner. So first of all, I'll start with end users, which I believe you know already is the final consumer. You know, from the last podcast, I explained that, you know, supply chain is existing basically to take raw materials, transform such raw materials and, you know, deliver to customers as their demand, you know, uh, defines. Yeah. So for me, I like I said, so I'll just go right on to talk about each factors. And here I have the end users delivering value, the relationship between actors and administration and monitoring of such relationship. So for end users, they are the customers of a business and they patronize a specific business for the specific value that that business has to offer to them in exchange usually for money right and believe me customers are an essential player in the success of any business venture right not just because they are the primary source of revenue to the business but also because they help create brand awareness 
you know so if a customer if you have a dedicated customer to your products that customer one way or the other would you know create an awareness of your particular brand and of course brand awareness means usually means much more customers right so I'll move on to the next point, which is delivering value. And I actually touched um, a bit on this in the last podcast, but I will be explaining further now. So when you talk about delivering value, I personally, myself, I have, you know, decided to like, um, in, in explaining what it means, I've, you know, coined um, it as the definition or as a term that I refer to as the loop of value creation, right? And the reason, the reason why I've, you know, called it this is because the basic truth is that every business is founded to create value that's just the truth right okay so i'll take myself for an example i recently decided to (laughs) join the dreadlocks team hashtag um inspired by my beloved sister right so i decided yeah let me just check out um do it yourself videos on youtube right but I, there were so many rules i couldn't keep up but you know what i i had the tools that i needed but i was like you know what let me just persist let me do it you know but after about like i think four to five attempts and i wasn't getting the you know the process right i decided you know what let me visit a loctician right that would help me in that space and what has happened there is that i need value yeah we talked about this in the last podcast as well that humans have needs so because i have a need i have a need to you know lock my hair to do my hair a certain way and there is you know probably only a certain kind of individual or certain kinds of individuals that can make my hair in that certain way i approach them for their services lock my hair and i'll pay you in return for your service isn't it so that's like yeah we know we have a lot there are a lot of complicated business ventures in fact um there are business relationships that exist whereby a business sells to another business so in that party for some businesses their own customers are not you know the final consumer like the person who goes to the market and pick up a piece of a product sometimes their own customers are another business who in turn uses you know, whatever product that they've gotten from, you know, business A to eventually produce a product that is easily um, accessible or edible by um, a fan, another consumer. But the truth is, these relationships exist because value is exchanging hands. And in return for value, money is actually, you know, you're, it's an in and out. You're giving value, you're receiving payment in return, right? So, frankly for me that that was like okay so continuing with my example of um looking for a electrician it was actually a very big deal because i had to travel across state lines just to get you know the right person not because i didn't know a lot of people i just needed someone that you know had experience and you know other people can also attest to the fact that they could do this you know that was how far i was willing to you know go to get my hair locked (laughs) in dreads yeah so um back to the podcast you know there is a business there is a reason actually for every business to ensure that they get revenue right so 
finally let me let me also make let me also make a reference point back to brand awareness i decided the final person that i decided on i decided to use that particular location because i was the same person that made for someone else that i knew right and the person swore by her service and said yeah she's good and you know because one person had used or one person had received service from this particular loctician, right? And the person has told me, you know what? I know this is the service you're looking for. She helped me with mine. And, and as you can see, it works really great. And so that's why customers are actually quite important to a business. And while they are important because, as I said before, because they are creating awareness, they are also important because, you know, you need revenue, right? As a business. And there is an importance to always ensure that your revenue is higher than your cost in order to remain in business, right? So the, com the company itself tries its best, engages in um, product differentiation, marketing, whatever, sales promotion, whatever it is they need to do to ensure that they maintain their current customers and they also attract more. They're in the loop of value creation, right? So now I'm going to move to the next point, which is actors in the supply chain. Um, as we explained um, last in the last podcast, um, simply put, the supply chain, as I've said also earlier in the um, conversation, the, uh, the supply chain is simply a process of you know getting stocks from one end to another. In this case, a producer, uh, supplier to a producer, and then a producer to customer usually people usually omit the supplier bits but you know they all make up the supply chain um, circle so actors in the supply chain now would then be the people who are different points in this particular supply chain that helps in value delivery right from the availability of raw materials like i said before now to transformation and eventual servicing or delivery to end users right and these are different points that i actually mentioned last week when i said something like um planning executing and delivery right so the basic components of any supply chain is planning sourcing making and delivery i would explain much more better but um recent developments and recent definition has also included the components of return right like i said i'll get into that much later so in the real world for actors in the supply chain you would hear things like site manager you would hear things like maintenance manager right uh, things like inventory manager distribution analyst right import and export specialist yeah um, logistics and supply chain customer service representative logistics coordinator you know inventory clerk supply planner demand demand planner you know order management specialist transport finance specialist right these are people who for at um, and at different points in the supply chain are partaking or performing an activity that all moves to the end goal of ensuring that the customer gets their product as and when they need them and at the right quality yeah so i move to the next point administering and monitoring relationships when you talk about which is which is where supply chain management actually comes into place this looks at you know increasing productivity and harmonization between the actors that i've just recently mentioned right 
the supply chain is better managed actually by focusing on two main what i consider the two main actions that are actually going on in the supply chain which is the demand side and the supply side how it's you as a supply chain manager you administering a monitoring relationship simply aims to resourcefully manage how you know customers demand are well attended to by the supply side of the supply chain i know that might be uh that might not make much sense but i hope to explain further that right so you're doing this and you're also ensuring that whatever you know um strategies that you are bringing into place you are bringing you are bringing in workable practical strategies timely using the resources that are available to the company right so <laughs> i think i think even with all the with explaining all the factors um it's clear that my definition doesn't really 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 capture what supply chain management is right so i could say it's a phrase at best notice how it doesn't stay the aim of supply chain management but rather that of the supply chain because the supply chain itself is what actually exists to deliver value to the customer so my question is what is the purpose of the you know of the supply chain management what is the purpose why why is there anything any concept named or called supply chain management yeah the truth is supply chain management's purpose is to ensure that there are no breakage no asynchronization of any kind you know is experienced in the supply chain what do i mean there is an awareness that you know there is a theoretical state where everything works out illustratively rather in a format how things should work in a supply chain this is how um demand should come in this is how we would procure from suppliers but we know that in the real world most of these things are you know how do i put this abstract at best many times your customers would just you know maybe based on season or for whatever reasons that might not be explained or might not be explainable by any factors that you know that is aware to you a customer can just decide to shift its you know its demand pattern so what do you do right this is the old essence of supply chain management right the supply chain managers the supply chain management exists to pinpoint weak links and let me say risk exposures right within a chain you set strategies you foster efforts to coordinate and ensure a successful completion of the supply chain spec which is <laughs> basically a satisfied customer right so developing policies utilizing technology information the superiority of your supplier to efficiently manage your own process efficiently manage how you satisfy your own customers you know to increase your own um, competitive advantage this is what supply chain is all about basically yeah so <laughs> I, I i would like to say that you know i mentioned in the last podcast that many times that supply chain management got less than enough attention and this neglect has now been brought to light by the pandemic so what are the activities that actually goes on in a supply chain for which supply chain management exists to coordinate i begin with planning 
right? This is the first phase of the process and it looks into how approaches, policies, strategies are developed to tackle and answer the question of how do I want to meet my customers' needs? And for me, I believe that this question is actually twofold. Like I said before, the demand side and the supply side. For demand, you're looking to answer how much of my products will customers demand? How can I forecast this with a degree, a certain degree of accuracy? Yeah? And the supply side is also looking at, look, how do I deploy resources to produce based on the demand forecast that I have from my customers? Do I even have the available raw materials? And the pattern that you would notice is that the very basic questions, these are very basic questions that any business that is preparing to, you know, suitably go to market, these are the questions that they must answer, right? So the planning stage is actually a quite important aspect of the supply chain because this is where you, you assess what, what can go wrong. How can customers' demand vary? Should we even be looking at, you know, presenting our products in a certain way, right? So I move to um, the next um, um, process, which is sourcing. The business already has the idea. Yeah, we know how our customers' demands are going to come in. We know how we can plan our raw materials to meet these demands. So the company would, it's best, right, that they start to look at what are the locations, what are the brands, delivery options that we can start to arrange to get those raw materials. And so you start to hear things like, oh, procurement. Yes, this is where procurement comes in, right? And so making, which is production, the actual production stage. You know, for me, however a company decides to produce, it's really, it really depends on their product type area, the demand of the product and, you know, the also the supply of their raw materials, right? Because they come make and decide to build, you know, decide to produce rather using the build or make to stock approach or using the job method. The job method is what takes into um, consideration what exactly a particular customer needs. So you are not producing for a large market or a large number of people, but rather you're taking into consideration a specific customer requirement, right? So take, for example, soaps. You could go to the market and say, yeah, I want to get um, some bar soap for, you know, um, washing, laundry. And then there are certain um, um, soaps that have been created to say they take out germs faster, right? They're not just your all-purpose, um, multi-purpose soaps that you use for laundry, but these ones are actually medicated. So such um, production process, you would see them, you would most likely see that those companies that are involved in the manufacturing of, of such kind of medicated soaps, they use the job method. So it's even possible that they have the uh, multi-purpose um, products, the multi-purpose soaps, but they also make a distinction by saying, look, this is different from what we produce for the general market. This is produced to meet or solve this specific problem right i i think we would dive into production and planning techniques subsequently so moving into the delivery space where i'm currently um progressing in my career so the actors in this um, space they simply work to receive orders and also satisfy orders right 
so the production department made the, the products are available so how are we receiving the orders how are we allocating the products i mean it's most likely possible that especially if your product is of high demand you might not be able to 100 percent you know meet all the demands that are being thrown in by your customers and also you even have to take into consideration the bullwhip effect there's a possibility that all the demands that are coming in are not you know 100 percent organic it's possible that you know your customer is adding his own portion based on his own demand which is say maybe retailers and then the manufacturing will also factor the sorry the wholesalers they will also factor in their own forecast to say look I've received order for three, but let me just add two more. You know, so it's possible. I would I would talk about the bullwhip uh, effect much later on as well. So here you would hear in the delivery space you would hear concepts like demand based replenishment, inventory, warehouse, order management. You hear about transportation and all of that, right? So to the return stage. Usually, delivery used to be the last of, you know, the supply chain management process. Yeah, it used to be. But now that, you know, supply chain management has evolved over the years, um, return, this return stage has been adopted as also an essential part of the supply chain um, itself as a whole. So here in the supply, um, in the return stage, you have goods taking a backward movement into the supply chain. Notice that from planning, from sourcing, from making, from delivery, we are looking at how will the customers get the products. But in the return stage, it is how are the re customers returning the products, yeah? So that's why it's actually quite, um, quite very, very important. It's focused on you know, customer to producer returns, trade returns and all of that. And here you hear things like reverse logistics, recycling, yeah so all of these stages are or rather all of these activities are what exists in a supply chain for which you can now say oh as a supply chain manager these are the points that i'm looking at to ensure that i have an efficient supply chain yeah so i think i would summarize by saying that supply chain management has actually shifted focus from you know the self-coordination that companies usually involve in which is you know, it's one company that would be involved in their transportation management, in their IT management, payment processing, every, you know, book core and non-core activities. But, you know, supply chain management has actually moved away from that to, um, you know, having proper partnership and integration with external organization right? External um, bodies, external companies, even sometimes, in some cases, competitors, just to simply um, foster, you know, tactical and operational capacity, right? By all the strategies that you take into consideration to ensure that, okay, how are we controlling our resources? How are we directing our resources? So, um, outsourcing is actually a big rage now, like big rave in the, you know, in the industry now, the supply chain industry. So you have. Um, third-party logistics and all of that, right? Even in Nigeria, like companies like Nestle, Coca-Cola, Unilever, Promacidor, Nampak, Bevcan, 
PZ Cuisons, among a list of others, they usually make use of third-party logistics providers to make deliveries to their customers, to their retailers, to their wholesalers. Yeah, so rarely or rarely would you see a company, say for example Unilever, as Unilever having their own transport company deliver their stocks to their customers. Most of those companies, Promacido, Coca-Cola, like I said, most of them, they actually make use of third-party logistics providers, providers that they, they have no business, you know, um, in the production of their own, um, of the company's um, products. So this way, companies can actually focus on you know the real nitty-gritty of their you know of their own entity right my business is to produce plantain chips my business is to produce dishwash soap my business is to produce beverages i don't concern myself with how do i manage it how do i even invest make major investments in things that are not even core to the operation of such organizations so that's why I said, like I said, outsourcing is really big right now because not only is this saving you cost, you can also, you can now focus, you can now really, you know, manage, you're not managing so many things at one time. You are focused on what is core to you gaining competitive advantages, right? So that's why I believe that supply chain management actually thrives on, you know, adequate cross-entity, cross-department links in such a way that you are leveraging your own firm's um, strategic positioning to increase customer value. So that for me is like what supply chain um, is about, right? So you are focusing on what the important actors are. How are they, what, what are they doing? What is the, my own my own bit is to produce. Your own bit is to produce good. So how can you relate well with the people that are sourcing, with the people that are in procurement? How well can you relate with the people that are storing your finished goods or work in process um, or raw materials in the warehouse? You know, all of these questions, all of these um, policies are the things that comprises of, uh, you know, of the supply chain management. Because for me personally, sometimes, you know, we receive, you know, new best practices, yeah? That, oh, this is the way you have to, in, uh, like I said, I'm in the delivery space. So this is, okay, for example, this is what you have to do now whenever you're taking orders or whatever, right? And for me, I'm like, wow. I, you know, in, in my own um, personal judgment, I'm like, wow, I never saw that coming, number one. Number two, it's, it, you know, it's like the perfect, it looks like a really, a really good answer to whatever question it is we are trying to answer at that point in time right because the the truth is supply chain management they see end to end of the supply chain so they can tell they can easily tell okay this is what we need to do maybe if we enforce this at the delivery stage we won't be having such issues um in the planning stage at the end of the day you have like an overall success right which is why i mentioned cross-departmental activities also so for me supply chain management is actually um um, quite big, yeah, like especially for competitive advantage and customer satisfaction. Yes, so that's 
the end of the podcast. <laughs> I hope you learned a thing or two. I learned a thing or two. Yeah. So I want to move now into what is going on. Yeah. What's the news? What's in the news? Um, I think what's really raving right now is that Deloitte um, recently acquired a supply chain firm that is focused on providing business transformation and um, solution within supply chain um, with technology, right? Um, I think the name of the company is um, Synchronic. Yeah, I hope I got that right. For me, really, I think personally yeah it's i believe it's one of the positive byproducts that we are seeing from you know the lessons that businesses have taken from the challenges that was experienced during the pandemic yeah for me the importance of techni- technology and digitization of um like the global supply chain as a whole is for me is no longer being underemphasized yeah because even as i speak to you we can see struggles that is being experienced globally Right. For example, I think um, recently I read about the shortage that um, was seen with semiconductors, and we know how important that is with you know making mobile phones, whatever it is, gadgets that you can think of. Right. That really quite important. I heard about shortages in pallets, you know, and lumbers and all of that. Even Moody's. Um, Moody's is actually a bond um, credit rating business. That recently, they recently reported that they expect a long recovery process for the aerospace supply chain credit metrics. This makes sense because, I mean, they are thinking that it's going to take a long while before the uh, um, aerospace industry is going to, you know, come back to the pre-pandemic numbers in terms of, you know, their credits. Because I mean, naturally, the space, the the industry is actually quite capital and manufacturing in, intensive. Yeah, and then you have a uh, a situation whereby people are no longer even patronizing these um, companies as such anymore, right? Up until now, I mean, we're still hoping that a lot of countries with the um, fast movement and um, distribution of vaccines, we're hoping that countries will now start to lower their ba- barriers for, you know, exiting and entries into their respective countries. So, I mean, for, it's going to take a while for that to happen, like, for us to now say, oh, there are no longer questions about have you taken your vaccine, are you wearing your nose mask or whatever at the airport, you know, when you're trying to move to another country or move to another state. And for as long as we still have these issues persisting, the aerospace industry would, you know, likely suffer from from that blowback, you know, because you can no longer decide, yeah, I want to move to this country because you're always going to think what are the issues that I might, I might encounter if I've not been able to take the vaccine how can I take the vaccine would I be able to would I be allowed out of the country what if it's not available in the country that I'm moving out from you know so it's it will take a while for this industry to come right back you know to bounce right back so it's important that there are more integrations more collaborations measures acquisitions it's important that these things need to happen as you know as fast as they can happen, you know, to embrace the supply chain, to, to embrace supply chain with technology, just for the purpose of building more agile supply chain businesses, right? And I think Synchronic is actually um, a country, um, I said country, <laughs> a company that is focused on using SAP services, Kinaxis, and business forecast services to 
help businesses transform their supply chain and you know obtain operational excellence i think this is what, what i found on their website so yeah that for me is my major takeout i believe and i strongly think that more integrations should happen last week i spoke about the one that is happening between between australia um india and japan yeah so more of this more of this yeah cool so thank you very much for <laughs> joining me i want to say that i want to say i want to raise an awareness about fibroid yeah so there i mean based on my connections over the past week i've actually been able to encounter a lot of people that know someone who knows someone or act people actual women that are actually that is actually suffering or managing this condition you know fibroid is actually a lump or a growth in the uterus although it's not cancerous yeah but some women they never realize this they just um from my own personal experience with the person that i recently um had a connection or a conversation with she didn't know she just knew that she was having a painful menstrual um um painful menstruation right and she was having a bloated stomach and it, it was really funny because i went online and i you know did some research and i realized that in nigeria one in four women has had or will have fibroids in their lifetime and i've also i also found out that it uh, contributes to the number of unnecessary deaths right in nigeria and i also found out that over 53 percent of nigerian women over 53 percent are often diagnosed with fibroid before or after the birth of their child every year this is actually something i saw on proguide.ng for me i want to just raise that awareness on this platform um if you're a woman in nigeria or anywhere in the world go for checks go for scans yeah and if you notice someone who has you know a condition like first of all i think bloated stomach for example and if they if you are close to them and you also realize that they have painful menstruation i think you should just try find a way to speak to them about it that it's possible they have this for them to just be on the safe spot let them go and do their checks right and also um for those of us that have the power if you can um, raise more awareness for there to be one help or the other available because i've heard that many women hopped out for managing this condition like i recently stated in one twitter um post that i had many women decide look i'm just gonna live with this thing since it's not gonna kill me right since it's not cancerous i'm just gonna live with it even though there's a lot of um pains and whatever i would still try to live with it because i mean the cost of surgery is so high or they think well surgery is they have the wrong understanding of what surgery is right so i believe that we if we all make um awareness about this particular condition speak to the women in our lives you know just try to check up on them and for the ones that have it try to see how you can help i'll try to see how you can collaborate with hospitals and you know health organizations to you know have maybe subsidies or you know just health programs that can not just you know tell people that it is better for them to 
you know find solution to this condition but also if they can help with reducing the amount of money that they have to spend in surgery because we know how you know nigeria especially women in nigeria i mean the financial buoyancy is not as strong especially for the women that are not even literate at all yes so that for me is that, that's all for me on the show thank you so much for joining me up until next week um i'll also be talking about whatever topic we'll be talking about on my blog post um so just join me on moramoraimi.webby.com thank you so much do have a nice day bye afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Maria Moraini and you're welcome to my podcast, Chromosome. This morning I'm going to be talking about transportation. Transportation is a, you know, a core and essential part of any supply chain, you know. Um, we know that supply chain is, you know, the movement of a product from, you know, a company, you know, who specializes in making that product to its final consumer. So then the question is, you know, how does this um, product get to the customer, right? There's a lot of um, efforts and there's a lot of um, activities that goes on to ensure that that, you know, movement happens. So I, I'm going to start, you know, by discussing um, transportation to try to understand um, how these movements happen, yeah? And I think one other thing that I would like to point out is the fact that there are so many types of movements in the supply chain. You know, transport is simply, yeah, you're moving one stop to another place, from one um, location to another location, right? But then, yeah, it depends on the kind of movement that, you know, you, you want to talk about. If you want to talk about the movement of, you know, raw materials moving from, you know, their sources to the company that eventually uses them, right? That's a type of movement. When you want to talk about how, you know, the whole supply chain itself, how, you know, the, the um, products move from the company to the customers, that's some type of movement. There is also a movement whereby the finished um, products moves from the customer to, you know, back into the supply chain. That's a type of movement as well. And, you know, sometimes you can even look at it from a you know, holistic point of view. The raw materials itself, essentially, what, what the customers eventually get is like, you know, a, a, a processed raw material. You can also look at transport in, from that perspective. So what am I trying to say? There are so many perspectives for which um, transportation can be discussed in a supply chain. So for this morning, I'm going to be talking about um, the traditional finished goods moving from, you know, the point whereby it's been produced into, um, sorry, rather to a, um, a customer, right? And I think one thing that I would like to mention is the fact that um, there are so many ways um, by which a company can design its transportation system. What do I mean? I mean, we have so many di- um, different modes of trans- uh, transportation depending on what you're transporting. Um, 
um, if you're transporting, say, you know, physical, heavy goods, you can use a rail. If it's just, you know, little parcels and boxes, depending on the, I mean, spare parts, depending on the kind, you can even use, um, you know, the air, an airplane, right? You can transport information, you know, just by using gateways, firewalls, the internet, you know, in general. So, um, transportation mode, you know, is, you know, is different and sometimes it depends on the kind of goods that you're, that you're trying to move. Um, so while I've, I mean, while we know that there are so many um, different ways that you can move, um, your products, you can use the rail, the road transport, the, um, you can move, um, with ships on the sea. Yeah. Um, there are different ways that um, a company can design its um, transportation system. What do I mean by that? While, say, for example, you want to use road transport, there are different ways that a company can decide that, okay, we get these stocks to the customer. They can decide to say, okay, um, we're going to immediately after producing, we want to move to a warehouse where we build stock to allow for different um, varieties of, you know, a customer's um, order. And, you know, for a lot of reasons, we want to move first to a warehouse for also maybe the kind of products we want to move into a warehouse whereby there is a there's an up-to-date quality assessment system on that particular product and then from there we move to the customers you know or a company can decide to say you know what i'm just going to move right from my factories i'm just going to say look i've produced this product is available it's gone through the necessary checks let's move it directly to the customers you know so that's like another way that a company can um, design its transportation can decide that this is how i want my customers to get the stock you know as a as a as a way of how their own go-to-market is structured how their own supply chain is structured to say this is how we want to deliver to our customers yeah and so i'm going to be talking about direct shipping this morning and so it's just like your it's while it, i wouldn't say traditional way but you know it's like let me say like one of the common ways in which a company um decides to move final um products to their customers direct shipping is just simply saying like i'm moving directly from where production has happened i'm bypassing all warehouses or distribution centers i'm getting rid of inventory any kind of inventory in any uh um, capacity in any way that you can think of holding stock yeah i'm bypassing all of that and i'm just shipping directly to my customers yeah and there's a lot of um advantage to um this uh, method of um um, transportation right um aside from the fact that i mean from the definition i gave you're eliminating every form of inventory and we know it i mean it's popular knowledge that to to operate a very lean and agile supply chain you have to cut down inventory as best as possible you know cut down your uh, inventory cut down your operating expenses and increase um your throughput while you're at it i i I believe um, there was a definition 
by um, Eli Godrat that um, said increased throughput while simultaneously um, reducing um, both inventory and operating expenses. I guess he, that was his own definition of what an efficient, like what is a, 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 a standard supply chain should be about, you know, supply chain that, you know, is both responsive and also effective, right? So this um, direct shipping, it's a method of um, transportation that, like I said, eliminates, eliminates inventory, eliminates holding costs, all the costs that is associated with you having, you know, a warehouse. It also um, eliminates uh, material handling, you know, we're moving into the warehouse, we're moving out of the warehouse, you know, this is like, you know, one of, one of the main advantage of um, direct shipping. You get rid of all you're reducing essentially reducing um, your transportation cost right um so it, it it gives you for an efficient way of managing one's um supply chain and that's you know when you start to look at it from the transport point of view right so <clears throat> it also i mean think about it the time in which it takes to move stock from the say for example the factory we take it a lot of time to move to the warehouse then we store the product and then you know when you know we eventually decide to deliver to the customers we spend another time trying to you know align and you know arrange um load your trucks or whatever you know other kind of transportation that you want to use you load your containers and then you know they start to add to the customer so an advantage of the direct shipping um design is that it it reduces um lead times you know especially in a a situation whereby you know a customer orders for a product maybe say today and they need it in two days imagine the you know number of sometimes it would take two days to complete like a standard circle of storing your products moving your products from the factory to your warehouses right it would take like that same number of time but when you eliminate that um that um buffer that inventory offers and you just move directly from your factories it's you know it reduces lead time your customers can get their products on time right and also i mean i mean thinking about it right now i'm i'm thinking it's it would be a very efficient way to um um bypass distribution channels you know like the standard you're moving from the manufacturer to your wholesalers and then your retailers before eventually gets to the customers and we know that um i think one of the great advantage here is you know you get to like very really manage the bullwhip effect ensure that the demands that you're actually you know servicing as a company is is what the market is really saying not you know some numbers that has been um jacked up or reduced at any point in the distribution channel you know you're getting the real time raw demand um numbers right i think we're going to talk about bullwhip effect um much later on um so i i think for me the direct shipping um is like i said while it's 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 like it's like very basic right <laughs> i produce and i move straight to um, the customer but the truth is there's a lot of um criterias that you have to look out for there are some products that you can't deliver in such a way 
you can't deliver it like oh yeah from my you know factory to the customer depending on kind of demand anyway if it's you know a product that has a very high should i say like a high turnover of demand you might eventually end up working out your production um how do i say it now like maybe uh, let me just say like your production institute right because it's like there's no buffer right is i'm producing as i'm producing i'm moving to the customers as i'm pro- producing and eventually you know the in a way you don't even you might not even be able to take the cognizance of wait hold on or producing or producing and we're delivering are they even you know are we really sure that they're selling out these stocks because i think we'll talk about product um availability much later because there's a difference between yeah we're selling right i'm selling as a company i'm selling um i keep getting buyers every other week right but then there's a difference between those products actually going to the people that need it you know and and if you're not careful with direct shipping you're just concerned with yeah i'm producing this and let's let's just ship it down let's just ship it down it's gonna be um some uh, kind of should i say like a challenge when you now have maybe a mix you're not a company that just specifies in one kind of if you specify if a company specifies in one kind of um finished product that that seems you know like yeah an efficient way because it's just one product anyway so i'm just gonna produce i can produce if i have a demand of say maybe 700 units i can produce 20,000 units why because i know that if i have another i could have another 700 units tomorrow right and i would service them from the 20,000 units that i have even though that's when you think about it in a way you're actually because you're not going to sell off what you've produced at once you still need to keep um a bit of your leftovers but i think um one of like the um assumption of a direct shipping is look there is no leftovers you are producing exactly what the market needs which in real life <laughs> might not be obtainable you know all the time right so if you have a product mix that you know you're not a company that is just based on one kind of product it might be a bit um difficult to keep up you know because you have to ship out this kind of product you have to ship out that kind of product and sometimes you have to be careful to look at it that look am i especially if you produce substitutes yeah am i am i sure that i'm not selling more of a to um than b right and b is also should i say like a profit ma- making segment for your company you can't just you know say because the um, the, the the market is trying to you know the market is already into the business of product a so you kind of like neglect product b i think that sometimes you have to perform some kind of um should i say marketing to ensure that product b is also um in in as uh, is also in demand as much as product a yeah so i think that's one of the things one has to be careful with when it comes to direct shipment yeah and i think another criteria why it might go like, seem like a very good idea to follow the direct ship uh, shipping design is you know you can't have other products being loaded together on say maybe a single truck yeah 
maybe you're producing um, food, medicinal items, depending on the kind, you know, maybe kind of products that um, is very sensitive to other kind of products. You can't, you just can't put them together in one place. They can't be in um, close proximity with each other. Direct ship, uh, shipping would, you know, be a very good idea for that kind of, um, um, should I say, industry, for that kind of product, um, company. And also when you know it, doesn't matter. I mean, maybe depending on the kind of um, products that you're into, say maybe like your everyday essential products like um, um, like water, like food, you know that you're always going to get demand. Direct shipping is a, you know, a good idea. You don't need to wait, um, buffer, store your products somewhere just to, you know, hope that, oh yeah, you get enough demand for what you've produced. No you to a large extent you already know you can already predict to a high degree of um of certainty that this is what the market would demand from me yeah so in that in this kind of situations direct shipment would look like the greatest idea yeah like i mentioned you know one of the advantages or let's say like the main advantage is that you cut your cost your inventory cost your you know material handling cost like i initially mentioned and then you have lower lead times but then i want to talk about the disadvantages as well right because <laughs> In a way, when you think about it, I'm just even going to look at it from, first of all, from the cost point of view, right? So let's say that, for example, um, there are various capacity, there are different types of um, truck sizes, yeah? And based on your customer's demand, you would get to use a certain type of truck, right? So in a way, in, in a situation whereby your demands, while they meet, um, let me say, truck loads, yeah it's still not you know it's still not large um um in a sense for your companies to enjoy for your company to enjoy the benefit of economies of scale what am i saying you have maybe like the your biggest truck size is um take can take about three thousand units or about five thousand units yeah but then your customer's demand is always within the range of don't forget 5,000, but your customer's demand is always within the range of 1,200, 800, you know, it's, it's in a way, if I had the order of like 5,000, I can just, you know, load it all into one, um, my biggest, um, truck size. Yeah. And just ship down to the customer. But now I have, in, in a sense, it's, it's a bulk order right but it's not it's not high enough to meet the the capacity of the truck size that can give your company the you know benefit of economies of of scale that you would need to enjoy to say yeah i'm instead of shipping in little by little i get to ship it at once and you know i enjoyed the benefits from cost i enjoyed the benefits from lead time from product availability and you know etc right so i think that one of the disadvantages of um direct shipping um the kind of that kind of design is your increased cost depending on what your customer demand is ranging on you know if your customer demand is ranging and and i I think what i've noticed also from my own experience yeah is that 
in a, in a country, actually Nigeria, for example, there are certain, it doesn't matter where, whatever industry you're in, there are certain truck sizes that it's, that's just like the, 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 the benchmark nationally. So, for example, if I have a truck size in Nigeria, the kinds of trucks based on the kind of roads that we have in this country, the kind of trucks I would, you know, the, 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 the biggest trucks that could give me a very high economies of scale, they would take 3,000 units, right? But then my customer's orders ranges um, um, between the lines of, say, maybe 500 units, you know, when you think about it, you think about it that, yeah, well, they're not coming in trickles like maybe two or three units, 10 units, 30 units. They came at once 500 units. But the truth is that Nigeria as a company has its own standard when it comes to like the kind of truck sizes that you can invest in, that you can use to ship to your customers to, you know, get the benefits of shipping like a, norm, a standard truckload. So what it means is that you now need to deviate. You now need to start getting smaller truck sizes, which by the time you, 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 um, let me say, okay, five cost, um, you have 500 units, right? And then I have, um, another customer asks for 1000 units and another customer asks for 600 units up to the point where it, it means up to 3000, the standard truck size. Now, don't forget that. Sometimes um, direct shipments will only work in situations whereby you cannot mix stocks together, either um, stocks of you know other customers, you can't mix two customers together, or you can't mix two types of products together, right? So you, it, it, it poses as a disadvantage because first of all, you can't enjoy high economies of scale anymore um, as in a, com- in a country like Nigeria as it is. That's number one. Number two, you have to start deviating to the smaller truck sizes, which at the end of the day, by the time you calculate how much it costs to get maybe like three truck sizes, excuse me, um, like, you know, the smaller trucks for them to get up to the number that, you know, just one shipment would have done with the standard truck size. You would have spent more, most likely, right? That's like an increased cost as well. And then number two, it takes a lot of, you know, you put, now your company has to, um, say, process the same, you know, say for example, when, when I want to ship to a customer, I have five steps as a, as a business, I've decided that there are five, um, five steps that, you know, I must go through and, you know, a shipment happens. But then in this case of direct shipping, you want to ship it all at once. You want to use smaller truck sizes. What you would have done once using the standard truck sizes, you now have to do it like three times which means you're not, you're now spending more in, you know, planning, you're spending more in, you know, administrative tasks. You sometimes have to employ two times the number of people that you have to employ. Sometimes you have to work overtime. Sometimes you have to run 24 hours because you don't have these orders at once. You have these orders in splits, in batches. You have to, you know, use as much trucks how you have to use. So it's, it, it increases while, while in the, in the sense of it, direct ship, uh, the direct shipping design reduces lead time for the customer. I make my order today. I get my, um, um, finished goods products tomorrow. Right. But then for the company, it increases the, the number of 
processing that goes through that that happens when you have to perform the operation of you know shipping to a customer you so that's that's for me like one of the major disadvantages of um the direct shipping um um um, design right so you have high cost you have you have to plan more you know and i think that in a way also like i said um, if you eventually find yourself in a situation whereby, if a company eventually finds itself in a situation whereby, why not? I can I can ship five customers together. I can ship ten customers together. Then that would mean that the company has started to practice what is called the direct shipping with milk runs. Yeah. So what that means is that I'm just going to I'm I'm processing this particular truck for one single shipment not three shipments now not five shipments to the same number of customers but just one shipment and i'm using the standard truck size all of these products will be you know aligned and arranged into one truck for all the customers that you know i've made um i've placed in their orders and that particular truck will then go on on you know to service um all of these customers you know it drops at one location it moves on to the next location it moves on to the next location and then eventually completes the delivery process right so i mean that's that to me seems like um a much more cost effective um process because now i get to cut down the number of time that it takes me to process an order process um servicing an order right because number one before i have to do the same process five times but now i'm just doing it once you know because it's just one truck i enjoy the economies of scale because the cost is you know somewhat um reduced because i'm using just one truck and of the biggest capacity isn't it and the customers get to you know get their stock it's not like you know it's not like they are all you know think about it the, we have two customers. There's one customer that it would take me five minutes to get to. Another customer it would take me 10 minutes to get to. Now, I'm in, you know, as a company, I've processed the order for the five minutes customer and the 10 minutes customer. So it would take the smaller trucks to, you know, fi- fi- the first smaller truck to, it, it would spend five minutes to get to the first customer. The second one will spend 10 minutes to get to the second customer. As a, as a business, yes, I've been able to process that particular shipment that is supposed to take 15 minutes right but then what happens is the first co- the first truck spends five minutes right to get the to the five minutes customer if i'm fortunate the the other truck spends maybe 11 minutes to get to the 10 minutes customer but when you think about it in a way that oh now i get to all of these customers are now on the truck so i can i can easily track to say oh it has gotten to the customer with um, uh, that needs that it would take five minutes to deliver to, and then for the customer that it would take ten minutes to deliver to, it's not like it has to. Is now going to go on the trip? Um, it's now going to spend ten minutes on that trip. It's actually going to spend five, because when you think about it, it is from the point of say maybe the factory that it would take ten minutes, right? But then now one truck is performing a trip of ten minutes actually. Mm? So it delivers first in the customer that it will take five minutes to um, deliver to. And then the next customer 
don't forget it's 10 minutes from the factory, not from the other customer space. So it also reduces the number of time that a truck would have, the trucks would have, the smaller trucks would have spent on the road trying to deliver to your customers. So I think that's one of, you know, and I think the direct shipment um, with Milkron is, you know, what happens when, you know, in a standard, um, I think in a standard um, um, operation, you there is a standard way of doing things, direct shipping, I want to move from my factory. But then you've decided that, look, these are the problems that I have with just saying that I want to do direct shipping. So you, you come back with a, would I say like a formalized and a specialized way of saying, look, we are still doing direct shipping, but because of the um, problems that we've noticed, the disadvantages that we've noticed, we've decided that, look, we can also add another, um, you know, just try to like um, advance that concept. Yeah. So that's what I think. That's how I, I believe that the direct um, shipment with Milkron must have, you know, um, being thought of and it's 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 for me it, it's a i mean it's 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 better it's better than just the traditional way of just moving moving 10 8 type of um, um allowing like eight trucks to leave your facility to spend you know the same number of time that if you had loaded them on one truck you will have the opportunity of actually reducing the time that the trucks will spend on the road five times but then there comes another disadvantage to um, the direct shipment with Milkron. And that disadvantage is, yeah, in a, in a standard way of thinking about it, um, the co- first customer that it takes five minutes to deliver to, yeah, the, customer, the truck spends five minutes to get there. But unfortunately, something happens in that customer's outlet and, you know, they have to resolve the issue with, say, maybe another 10 minutes. <laughs> and then what it means is that before you get to that other customer, while it's going to spend just five minutes, we've added 10 minutes from, you know, like a disruption that happened at the customer's outlet to the lead time of the second customer. So when you think about it, it might favor the, you know, the customers, the first customers that you would meet, um, that you would deliver to in the first few, uh, you know, in the early stage of the delivery process. But when you start to go deeper down, like, okay, you are now moving to customer five out of, you know, you want to deliver to 10 customers. You are now on customer five. The driver is probably exhausted at this point. He needs to rest, you know? So when you think about it, I think, I think sometimes it's just, um, a way of finding the right, um, um, operations to, um, complement whatever, um, kind of, um, business that you're running. Yeah. It would, I would not advise any company to just use the direct shipping method and i won't still advise a company to just focus on the direct shipping with milkrons i would say that it's the optimization of the various types of um designs that we have um in transportation that would make a company to you know be really really um efficient in running its um transportation segment of his um supply chain so yeah i i think for me that's like yeah, one of like the great um, disadvantage of also the milk run, the fact that it's like a domino effect. Once you have a delay in the first, so let me say in the second customer that it takes 10 minutes, the other one that it takes 15 minutes, you automatically add the amount. If you had been delayed for three minutes, you have to add that to the lead time that the third customer is supposed to get his stocks for. So it's like one problem in one outlet 
affects every other person that you need to deliver to right so you know i but i still think <laughs> i still think it's better than you know having so many trucks delivering to the same number of customers that you could have just delivered to using one truck because for like i said you for the smaller trucks you have to now um start you know tracking a lot of trucks but in this case you're just tracking one truck oh yeah okay we're having this issue and it's even easier for you to pinpoint where the problem started from you know but when you have like eight other trucks that you you've sent out to make deliveries to your customers you know it's more hands on deck right and you know you reduce i i mean for me just it just sounds like you know just a proper uh finding the balance between the two would actually help any supply any company yeah um but i think even to the direct shipping and the one the one with or without the micron i think like a general disadvantage that you can think about is the fact that you're taking out inventory um you're taking out inventory mean, mean, means that um you know building stock um you run the risk of having a very high demand variability because you know that's what I mean I think let let me take it from this point the risk pulling effect that um having a warehouse having an inventory helps you that buffering effect that uh, you know th- that gain that you get from saying look I've produced this amount of units and I want them to stay here because I know that my customer while he has um requested for 500 units of this product today I know especially when you have um um like various stock mixes you know you you lose out on the effect of risk pulling um yeah i think i'm going to end the conversation here and i'm probably going to you know try to define what um risk pulling is on my blog um where i'm um sorry webly.com/moramoraimi yeah so yeah you can go learn about what risk pulling is on the platform thank you so much for tuning in i had fun um learning this and i'm hoping that you've learned you know um listening to this podcast as well thank you so much um have a great day um please don't forget to show love to people with disabilities and i'm just going to use this opportunity to spread um news about fibroid um this is a the uterus um womb inflicting this is whereby you have tumors um that are non malignant uh, malignant that means they are cancerous but you know it still poses um, a form of health risk to the women around us and a lot of women in Nigeria actually suffer from this disease so i'm just raising an awareness um for us to know that it's actually uh, it's a big deal and yeah just enjoy yourself and have a nice day thank you very much